Welcome to Mac Geek Gab. Clive has our opening quick tip for us. He said he was setting up his new iPhone 14 Pro Max and noticed the transfer of apps and data was going very slowly. It was forecasting hours and hours. So he thought to do something that amazes me. He double clicked the right side button and voila, a menu came up offering him several actions. The most interesting one was change Wi-Fi network or something similar. He selected that and discovered he was connected to the wrong Wi-Fi network connecting to the right one. Fixed it. An amazing quick tip. Double click the right side button on the phone during the setup process. I don't know how he thought to think of that, but I'm glad he did. And I'm especially glad you shared it with us, Clive. More tips like this plus... Your questions answered today on Mac Geek Gab 956 for Monday, November 21st, 2022. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and Welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips like Clive's, your questions, your cool stuff found. We take all of those. We mash them together into an agenda. We string them together into an agenda with the goal being that every single one of us learns at least five new things. Every single time we get together, sponsors for this episode include Collide uh, at K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash M-G-G. Great device security for your organization that uses Slack to educate your users. It's awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Masterclass.com slash M-G-G. That's where you're going to visit for unlimited access to Masterclass. Learning new recipes from Gordon Ramsay. Photography from Andy Leibovitz. It's great stuff. And a new sponsor, but not a new company to us here Private Internet Access VPN. You go to PIAVPN.com slash MGG to save 82% off your VPN service plus four free months. So again, play PIAVPN.com slash MGG. We'll talk more in depth about that. In fact, we'll talk more in depth about all of those shortly. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Brown. How are you, Mr. Today? Mr. Today? Man, how am I, Mr. Today? <laughs> how are you today, Mr. John F. Braun? Yeah, as well as can be expected. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, good. Yeah, are you eating turkey for Thanksgiving this week? Um, yeah, probably. All right. Yeah, that's kind of our plan, too. We, uh, we went with a smoked turkey this year. We, 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 we talked to the local barbecue place and we were like, all right, we want to mix it up a little bit. So we're doing a smoked turkey and two pounds of brisket, because if you go to a local barbecue place, you can't not get the brisket. It's delicious. So, um, I'm, I'm just glad we actually have, we have two, at least two really good barbecue places like near us now that, that has not always been the case up here in the Northern climes. So all right. Well, I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Everybody in the U.S. that celebrates, because I realized we have a worldwide audience, um, and 
and Thanksgiving's it turns out not a thing outside of the United States. I mean, Canada has their own, but they, they had it already this year. Mm-hmm. That was several weeks ago. All right. Uh, you want to take us to, let's do more quick tips, John. You want to take us to Alex? Um, Alex has one that, boy, I didn't know that was there. So in Ventura, um, if you right click on the terminal icon in your dock, or I guess, um, wherever else it may be, uh, and you right click, there's a choice that comes up that says new remote connection. I'm like, wow. Um, and it shows you the protocols that you can use. Um, uh, you can do SSH, uh, SFTP, FTP, or Telnet. Um, uh, and a warning to people uh, is that FTP and Telnet are not secure. So use one of the other ones. Interesting. Connect to another machine. Yeah, so this only works if Terminal's already running, which makes sense. It just just as an FYI, if you're trying this and your terminal's not running, you won't see it. But yeah, what a what a fascinating thing! And it what it picks is oh oh I see it picks like for me I named my uh, the mini in my office is named Mini Office. Uh, that's its DHCP ID, and therefore that's its name in on my network. And it it is. Um, creating the SSH command to go to mini office dot local dot. So uh, that makes, which makes sense. Yeah. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it, um, yeah. So how do you get the list of servers is my question. I guess it uses Bonjour to do that. I, I'm assuming. Yeah. Cause it's not taking the time that it would take to actually scan everything in your local subnet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would have to be using Bonjour, but like I'm seeing things. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm certainly seeing my Macs in there, but I'm seeing my Starling home hub. Uh, hmm. And so I don't think that's a Bonjour device, but it might be. I'm seeing some other thing that's called hub V3. And then it's got some numbers after it. I don't know what that is either. So yeah, I would be curious to know what is it? it it's it's got to be Bonjour. It comes up too quick otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. I uh, yeah. Learn something new every day. That's uh that's kind of the point of the show, I guess, right? You know. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we're supposed to play the bell. If Pete were here, we'd hear that when we learn something new. <laughs> so uh Pete's not here today. He'll be here for the next one. All right, going on to Andrew, and uh, Andrew shares, it was a a tip that he had heard when Jason Snell was on John Gruber's The Talk Show, which is another great show and two great podcasters. Uh, When you are using picture-in-picture on your Mac, when if you drag the picture it will snap to one of the corners of your screen. That's just how it works. Well, Andrew relays that Jason taught us that if you command drag the picture in picture, uh, you know, at a window, you can leave it wherever the heck you want, which I really like. It's our computer. We should be able to put it where we want. So, and that's a, that's a, not only is this a great tip, but it's a good, 
uh, mindset hack, right? Like you, you, the command key, I always think of it as I can command the system to do other things. Like if I want to reorder my menu bar items, you command drag them and that's how you can reorder them. So maybe that's uh, you know, maybe that's a bonus quick tip, right? So uh, it makes sense that the command key would be used for this, but I don't think Apple documents th- the fact that the command key does these things anywhere. So that's why we do what we do so that, uh, you know, so that, so that we all know so that we learn. It's good. All right. Uh, more on that one, John, or. Uh, nope. Okay. Then we will go on to Jesse who says, uh, I've been struggling to figure out stage manager on my Mac. Same. Uh, it seemed odd to me that Safari always stayed on the screen. Even when I brought other apps to the front, Turns out this inconsistency that seemed like a bug was really opportunity in disguise. Uh, I dug around and saw people talking on Apple discussions about this. I learned that how I had previously assigned apps to spaces, remember that feature, determines their behavior in stage manager. And now I can use that fact to fine tune stage manager to my liking. You can too. So evidently Jesse had put, space uh it put safari in every space like you could in in spaces i think still can uh and stage manager clearly builds on the foundation of spaces it's really just spaces sort of version three or something um but jesse says uh here's how you leverage this make sure you have at least two spaces set up so you still need to use spaces to do this you don't have this functionality in stage manager um then Control click on any app in your dock and select options. You will see assign to uh, a little menu come up and you can select your desired option. You can select all desktops, this desktops or none. If you select all desktops, the app will stay on screen constantly while using stage manager. Oh, if you select none, the app will alternately show and minimize to the strip as expected while using stage manager. And if you select this desktop, you are in multiple spaces land. And I believe each app will show and minimize as expected in stage manager, but in its assigned space so that you can end up with different stage manager strips in each space. Oh, wow. Oh, this gets very meta. Lastly, Jesse continues. If you prefer having only one space, as I do, you can delete any additional spaces yet. The spaces desktop assignments you made will persist in affecting the behavior of your apps and stage manager. So if you want one of the apps to be uh, in, you you know, in uh, always on in stage manager, create a second space, tell it to appear in all desktops, then remove the second space. But that setting persists. Amazing. He says, I use this knowledge to get Safari to minimize to the strip but also to set music the Apple music app to all desktops, as I like to keep the music mini player window open all the time. Right. Ah, very nice, Jesse. Thank you for finding that. And thanks for the, the very detailed uh, uh, description there. Wow. That's uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I like it. All right. Moving on, John. Moving on to Jim. So Jim has a little tip here. So Ventura, sometimes when you upgrade your OS, things may not work. And this is one of those cases, but there's a workaround. 
so Jim says, I'm a longtime user of LaunchBar, and I'm currently on the latest version. After upgrading to Ventura, I was not able to open Safari using LaunchBar. I tried all of the usual fixes, rebooting, reinstalling, but no luck. I then wrote a support ticket to Objective Development and got the following response. And the fix worked immediately, since I'm sure you have many listeners that use LaunchBar. Um, I don't. I don't think you do, but no, somebody must. But uh, yeah, lot, I, we've certainly heard from many of you over the years who do. Yeah, for sure. Very popular app. Um, so LaunchBar is not yet optimized for macOS Ventura, What is what they say. Got it. Please open the LaunchBar index. Go to the indexing rule applications. Click on the options tab and activate use spotlight index. After that, Safari should be included in the search results again. Oh, interesting. So for whatever reason, I wonder if it's because so for whatever reason, LaunchBar's own indexer doesn't find Safari. I wonder if it's because Safari is stored not really in the applications folder. It's it's actually mm-hmm. elsewhere. And but Spotlight sees it for sure. Huh. All right. Sure. I'll take it. All right. Apple Watch time, John. You want to take us to David? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still digging the watch. <laughs> that, yeah. You. I, yeah. I, I, OK. Yeah. I've been meaning to ask. Like, it's been a couple of weeks. You're you're still wearing it like it you're you're still choosing to use the watch the Apple Watch, mm-hmm. that's great. Cool. What's uh, what are your top one to three favorite features, favorite uh, side effects, favorite things you get from using the watch? Um, though I had to dig for it, and I thought I had turned it on, but being able to unlock various devices, like if oh. I get near my computer. And then the watch gets near it. It's like, oh, okay, you want to unlock your computer, right? So that's kind of handy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll touch on this a little later, but um, using in the store uh, to like scan my loyalty card sure. um, is also kind of neat. And then, of course, uh, Apple Pay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Are probably the top things. The other thing that i've done lately is to make sure i'm alive <laughs> so there's the um there's the oxygen sensor yeah. um the ecg and just heart rate in general um and i find those very interesting as well yeah yeah it, it is fascinating to to learn you know how your body reacts in different things like i'm always interested at like when I finish a gig to see what my heart rate is and like those sorts of things. It's yeah, it's interesting. Or to look back historically, like what was it like when we were playing this song? Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And the, um, and the ECG especially or EKG, I guess it is. I think it's ECG like, on the watch. Um, I, I, I'm not smart enough to know what the difference between an ECG and an EKG is. Uh, but Apple always calls it ECG. So, but yeah. And, you know, every time I've checked myself, it's like, oh, okay, you have a, uh, a sinusoidal uh, rhythm, I think is is the term they use. That's a good thing. Yeah. Which is normal. Yes, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it also keeps saying, uh, this cannot detect heart attacks. I'm like, okay. That, right. That, that's right. like a <laughs> Although disclaimer, it, I guess. Yeah, it, it certainly has 
detected when people are about to have them or starting to have them. Uh, but yeah, Apple can't say that it detects them because then they would need all kinds of probably FDA, like it would become a medical device. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then they couldn't sell it over the counter anymore, probably. Although hearing aids now can be sold over the counter, which is amazing. So Some of them. I don't oh, know yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. All right. We've got a couple of Apple Watch tips. You want to take us to David's? Uh, and yes, another Apple Watch tip. So uh, David says... Um, I happen to be listening to your podcast in the kitchen this morning. Okay. Good morning. <laughs> when you discuss the Apple Watch crown, I absentmindedly reached down to turn the crown. Lo and behold, the volume on the podcast went up. This is an obvious use of the dial slash crown, but it had not occurred to me. So I had been fishing the phone out of my pocket every time I needed to adjust the volume. Uh, I don't know if this is universal, but it works in Overcast, Castro, and Spotify. Uh, related but not part of a quick tip, it may be a little buggy. As I was testing it on other apps, the dial would adjust the volume indicator on the phone, but it didn't change the volume itself. But after switching between apps a few times, I was able to get it to work. Interesting. Huh. That's great. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, I, I love these little things that are obvious once you know them. <laughs> um, you know, but that's just how it is. Uh, we got a tweet about Apple watch from Mr. Jeff Wilson, who says regarding last week's episode and the tip of using your Apple watch as a camera remote, which it can be, uh, don't forget that the digital crown can be used to zoom in or out. So you can zoom your iPhone's camera when you're using the watch as the, um, as the, as the, the trigger, if you will, for your camera, the camera remote, um, you can you can control the zoom as well. Yeah, I, that I I don't know if I ever knew it, but if if I did, I had forgotten it. So you know, there you go. That's another good one. All right, uh, and then we have listener Bill who brings us. Man, did I not bring that over? That's too bad. Maybe I don't have listener Bill's tip. Oh no, I do have listener Bill's tip. Good news, because Bill. Tells us about this himself, I think. Nope, sure not. Why is that not here? Huh? All right, we will we will play listener Bill's tip in the next episode. I don't know why that that file didn't sync up here, but we've got an audio comment from him. Um, but but it's 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 so good. I don't want to ruin it. So one more watch tip coming in next week's episode. Probably more than that. If you want to send in your tips about watches or anything else, or your questions, or your cool stuff found. John, where in the world could somebody do that? Um, you could send an email to feedback at com. You could? Feedback at com. That's where I would send it, is feedback at com. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just how that goes. Uh, you could join our Discord at com slash Discord. Lots of activity there, including... Our our latest contributor, Mr. John F. Braun. It's true. We've got John F. Braun over there in Discord as well now. Uh it's fun. It's a good I I I really like our Discord community. I, I love the Mac Keycap community. I I I know it sounds like I'm just gushing because I am. <laughs> like, well, so many online communities just turn into dumpster fires of flame wars and and hate and all of that stuff. 
everybody in the Mac Geek Gab community is there to help each other. We did at the request of listener Andrew, we did create a a fish shakes channel so that we can, you know, vent about things because we certainly we need to vent. But we're not venting about each other. We're venting about, you know, technology that doesn't work. Like, you know, for example, Ventura's system settings because, you know, it deserves it. But uh, yeah, it's such a positive thing. Everybody's really there to help. So thank you for for that, folks. And and if you have yet to join any Discord communities, ours might be the right one because, you know, people, everybody's nice. MGG.FM slash Discord or MacGeekCab.com slash Discord. They both go to the same place. All right. One last quick tip before we move on here. Oh, this is a, this, this is, this was a, a good one. Henry writes, I just stumbled upon a new feature long overdue in iOS 16's contacts. You can finally work with contact groups, now called lists, in iOS. When viewing a contact's details, scroll to the very bottom and you'll see a new section called Included in List. This shows you all of the lists, renamed from groups, uh, that the contact is in. You can also add them to or remove them from lists here. In addition, from the main contacts page, you can click on the lists link in the top left to view all of your lists. From here, you can rename, create, or delete lists. This is something you couldn't do on iOS before. Uh, You can also select which list to view by default when you open the contacts app. But this is also where we lost a feature. Previously, when they were called groups, you could select multiple groups to create a consolidated list of contacts to view by default. By now... Uh, but now you can only select one list at a time or all contacts or all iCloud or all Gmail, etc. It may not be a big issue for most, uh, but if you used to have multiple groups selected and wanted to keep that, well, then that's not uh, for you. This is assuming uh, the iOS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to the positives. He says uh, there are some new things you can do with the new interface. You can multi-select contacts to create new lists. You can email or message an entire list by long pressing or swiping right. Man, this is chock full of tips. Uh, he's got a couple of web pages that show that. We will put those web pages in the show notes so that you have access to all of that because there's a lot to remember here. Thank you, Henry. Great stuff. Your questions coming up. More cool stuff found. The show is good. All right. Hey, look, we all know that our ISPs could know literally everything we do online, right? And that's one of the many reasons that having a VPN is an absolute must have when we go online. I am super happy to announce that one of the best VPNs out there and one of our favorites that we've talked about on the show a few times and the one I use is my primary VPN, PIA is on board as this week's sponsor. PIA stands for Private Internet Access, and they take privacy seriously. Not only does PIA hide your IP address, it encrypts your entire connection. This protects your internet activity from everyone, your ISP, network admins, or any hackers out there just itching to steal our most sensitive info, right? PIA is the world's transparent VPN. They never record or store your user data, and their no-logs policy has even been verified in court. 
I know there's a reason that I chose this when I was going through this earlier this year. Right. And you get endless entertainment options, too. Right. Not only does PAA work with all the major streaming services, it's one of the few VPNs that supports P2P file sharing. Right. So you can download just about anything. It's available for all platforms across all your devices. And just one membership can protect up to 10 of your devices at the same time. You can see why it's the one I chose when I went through all this right now. Go to PIAVPN.com slash MGG to get a whopping 82% off your VPN service. Plus, four free months with a two-year plan. It comes out to around two bucks a month. You can't beat that. And there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So go. That's PIAVPN.com slash MGG for 82% off private internet access. PIAVPN.com slash MGG. And our huge thanks to PIA for sponsoring this episode. All right. A question came in, speaking of Discord, from P. McConaughey over on Discord, who asks, is there a way to set keyboard shortcuts in the Mail app on my Mac? On my work PC, Outlook uses Alt-S to send an email, and my fingers have remembered this. I find myself doing that on my Mac. And nothing happens. So, yes, the good news is there are uh, there's a few ways to do this. The, the built in one is in system settings or system preferences. If you're not yet on Ventura keyboard, keyboard shortcuts and then click app shortcuts. Then what you'll do here is click the plus button to add a new one. And you can choose to add it to all applications, or you could choose to do an app specific one and choose mail as from the drop down. You just get a list and, and you can pick whatever app you want uh, for, for what you're doing. I would choose to do it in mail only just so you're not impacting other apps. Then what you do and, and really maybe step one is go into mail and find the name of the command you want to trigger. So this would be send. Uh, and it, it, with capital S E N D capitalization and spacing matters because what you're going to do is say, I want to assign a keyboard shortcut to any menu item with this very specific name. That's the, the paradigm that you're, you're choosing here. And again, like we said, you can filter it down by, by application. So choose mail, you type in the menu title, which again, for this is very si simple. It's send with a capital S. And then you position your cursor in the keyboard shortcut field and type your keyboard shortcut. So for you, that's going to be Alt-S or Option-S, depending on what your Mac's keyboard says. Then you click Done, and that's it. Now, one thing to note is that if there was a, if Apple or the application vendor, because this works with non-Apple apps as well, if the app vendor had set a different keyboard shortcut for that command, yours will replace it. It will not add to it. So if you were used to using command D to send messages, uh, you can no longer do that if you assign option S or alt S to send messages. So just bear that in mind too. You, you are changing functionality. Now you might be changing it from nothing to something. So we could argue that that's adding functionality, but, but you are changing functionality. So just be aware of that. If you wanted, for example, to have more flexibility and more options and you wanted to leave command D there for sending mail. I think it's command D. My fingers know it. I don't, I, I, but I, I, my brain doesn't uh, my lizard brain must know it. Uh, 
if you wanted to add functionality, leaving, you know, option or command D in place, but adding option S, then I would go to keyboard maestro because that will allow all kinds of different things to happen, including this sort of thing. It's it's one of its core competencies, if you will. So. I don't know. What, 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 how about you, John? Um, <clears throat> I don't really. You don't mess with that, do you? Yeah. No. Okay. That's fine. I mean, yeah. If you don't, if you don't need it, you don't need it. Are you, are you a keyboard maestro user yet? No. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm waiting for that day too. I'm, I'm, I'm a patient man. Uh, yeah. I think, I think I have a license somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do because he sends it to both of us every time a new one comes out. So yes, mm-hmm. it's true. We lead charmed lives here, folks. No keyboard maestro. That to me, that is. I used to say it's the future of scripting on the Mac. It is the present of scripting on the Mac. Really, it just makes life so easy. And and you get other things with it. You get m- multiple clipboards. You you also get text replacements, uh, which means I have three apps that can do text replacements. One is Apple because you can like do shortcuts for, uh, you know, right in the keyboard preference pane, settings pane, I guess we call it now. And then you can do, I can do it in text expander, which is where I have all of my stuff and have for years. And then keyboard maestro can do that sort of thing too. So, yeah. Um, all right. Barbara's time to take us to Barbara, John. Uh, let's go to Barbara. Um, Barbara has a quick question here. Since wallet doesn't allow me to load my loyalty cards, is there a good app for that? One that doesn't track every purchase. And the answer is yes. Um, and I actually found this with, um, with my watch. Um, so most, if the developer knows what they're doing for the place that you shop at, um, then you can add the card to wallet. And I have, you know, tons of them. I got, you know, my stop and shop card, my AAA, um, right. Um, all that stuff. But, um, some people don't offer a way to put it in your wallet. What to do. Um, you could use this app that I found ages ago called stow card. S T O C A R D. Uh, and of course we'll provide a link to it, but the nice thing about it, oh yeah, you got it up on the screen there. Cool. Um, basically what it does is it scans the barcode and stores it, or you can enter it manually. I think I've, I've had to do both. And then the other thing it does is that if it recognizes the, uh, the vendor, um, so as far as I can tell, it doesn't track your purchases. But what it will tell you is if one of the loyalty cards uh, that it knows about uh, is offering sales, it'll occasionally put up a little notification saying, hey, there's, you know, a 20% off sale at, you know, this place that you go to. Wow. So I have, and yeah, like, for example, uh, my library card barcode, um, their app. Uh, last I checked, doesn't offer it. So I have my library barcode in Stowcard. And it syncs with my watch, which is also neat. So, 
Interesting. And yeah, is- the thing that I found that was weird, though, is that when I first got the watch, Dave, while it, you know, did the hokey pokey with my credit cards in that I had to enter the uh, CCV yeah. for them all again. Yeah, or call your bank on some of them. Why does Citibank treat me like I'm a criminal every time I get a new phone or something? It's crazy. <laughs> I, I, why? I, I drives me nuts. I have to talk to them. I have to go through a whole thing. They send me letters. It's, it's like, guys, I just got a new phone. I didn't. I'm, I'm not a criminal, and I'm still Dave Hamilton, for better mm-hmm. and for worse. Anyway, sorry. So. That's yeah. that's what I got for that. That's cool. And and is um Stokard free? Uh last I checked. Yes. Oh, amazing. Huh. That's cool. That's great. That's great. Fun stuff. All right. Man. Good stuff. We're learning all kinds of things today, right? It's just how it goes. Pete's gonna be so sad that we're using that sound without him. <laughs> but you know, it needs to needs to settle in at some point. All right. Um you want to take us to Todd? Yes. Okay. Todd. All right. Todd says, gents, I've never heard you talk about this, and it seems right up your alley. Check this out. Email headers are a playground for email providers and services to interject their own content into emails that are mostly hidden away from us plebeians. <laughs> um <laughs> If you dare peek at what is going on with email headers, your eyes will likely glaze over um, the amount of hidden text included in every email. Um, Open any email in Mac mail and go to view message all headers and you'll see what I mean. And yes, I've I've done this and there's lots of stuff in there. So it it is a nice history trail. Uh, generally in order with most recent at the top and oldest at the bottom. So you can kind of see the path that your message took and even some of the security measures that different mail servers are using. And if it's, you know, assigning it to different accounts because you forward it around like it is. If you if you go through it, it does tell a story. And I think you're going to get to, you know, some of the the things that one might want to extract from that story but it is Mm -hmm. you know it's it but it is sort of eye glazing i i agree with that yeah um so some relevant email headers to me all zendesk emails include an entry of x dash zendesk zendesk dash from uh dash account dash id all google groups emails include a list archive entry there are going to be countless other examples of email headers that are in use. Uh, I've been going through all sorts of convoluted methods of setting rules to target Zendesk emails and emails originating from Google Groups. News to me, MacMill can work with these email headers in amazing ways. I was poking around in the rules section of MacMail and noticed the edit header list option at the bottom of the condition list. Uh, in here, you'll see a standard Headers like from, to, cc, subject. Weirdly, there is a lonely plus button at the bottom of this dialog. You push it and you get an empty text field to fill out. I discovered that you can target any email header you want. I enter it X Zendesk from account ID and list archive. Now I have these options to add to my standard set of rules uh, 
to work with in MacMail and can confidently target very specific emails based on those very specific headers. A huge time saver and something I never knew existed after using MacMail for over 20 years. Um, and you're right. The, the rules can be very powerful. Um, for, for example, I have one where one of my .Mac addresses. Um, so, of course, there's Mac.com, there's iCloud.com, and I forget the other one, Me.com, I think, are the other three addresses that you normally get. Um, if you've been doing um, iCloud for a while, um, unfortunately, one of those addresses got on like a super spam list, um, my iCloud.com address. Uh. But what I do is if I look at the header and I see that it's iCloud.com, I'll, I'll just toss it because I, I don't use that address ever for anything. Right. You haven't given, even though it's one of your email addresses, you haven't given it out to anyone. So, you know, it's spam. Huh? Mm-hmm. That's great. That's smart. Yeah. One header. I, I love this, by the way. And there is an Apple knowledge base article, believe it or not, that talks about using custom headers and using the edit header list thing, which fascinates me because this seems like one of those things that Apple wouldn't have written a knowledge base article about. Uh, for years, one of the most valuable headers that I've found is X dash delivered dash two. And the X, the D, and the T are all capitalized. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But that's one to look for if you're trying to filter mail that's coming into a specific address but then getting forwarded somewhere. It, it will show your address even if you were BCC'd on the email. Now, it doesn't expose the BCC list, but you know you got the email and the X delivered to header shows you which of your mailboxes it was delivered to. From there, you can intuit that that was one of the BCC addresses, uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, super helpful. So, yep. Good stuff. I like it. All right. Uh, let's see. We have more stage manager stuff from listener, Steve, uh, who says, I was driving around doing errands and listening to your comments about stage manager uses. I have the perfect use case, at least for Steve. Uh, he says, I'm planning a three to four week trip to Utah to visit all the national parks and monuments with overnight stays in at least six different cities. Here's my setup. I have two 27 inch HP monitors, one in portrait and one in landscape mode. I, I got to get a monitor that I can test out in landscape mode. And I, actually, I say that and it's possible I even have one and I just haven't done that. But I wonder if I would like a, a a portrait mode monitor. Sorry, I have my monitors are in landscape mode. Anyway, sorry. Uh, squirrel. Uh, I use the landscape monitor to compare hotel prices from three or four different websites at the same time as I have different levels of points and stays. Uh, so at each, so costs will differ. Right. Makes sense. When I find the one I like, I drag the other three into the stage manager dock and complete the registration of the selected hotel or motel on the full screen. On the portrait monitor, I have mail open on the bottom half and trip it open in a browser window or maybe the trip it app uh, on the top. After completing registration, I receive a confirmation email, I open it. I print a copy. I forward it to trip it and I file. When TripIt chimes, I refresh and confirm all the dates. Then uh, 
I slide the other three hotel websites to the right and start my search for the next city. Oh, I see. No more minimizing windows, shuffling windows, accidentally clicking on the red instead of the yellow upper left buttons and only to reopen a new window. What a time saver. Fast. Thank you for sharing this, Steve. I think more and more of these as we hear about them will be the things that, you know, that killer app is different for each of us, but it exists for each of us. And so sharing these stories, hearing these use cases, I think is, uh, is going to help us all like find how stage manager might work for us. I'm not saying it's going to work for every one of us. I still haven't figured out how to adopt it, but I, to be fair, I haven't spent any time enough time really trying. So yeah. 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 Very, very good. Cool. Have you, uh, are you using stage manager on a regular mm-hmm. basis, John? Yeah. Uh, on my laptop. Yeah. yeah I have not yet upgraded this machine right right yeah no yeah i you know i just have a set of windows uh it, it lets yeah we talked about this before but yeah, yeah. no i like it because it it shows you more information uh as far as like you know it'll show you the the window and and the animations that that are happening yeah which I kind of like. I mean, you, you can also use a command tab is, you know, the, the one built in, but it doesn't really give you much context. So that's why I like. Oh, I see what you're saying. You, so you just because stage manager is like little live views of the mm-hmm. other windows. I, I Okay. I get what you're saying. Huh? Yeah. All right. I can see that. Yeah. I gotta, I am so like, I mean, I have my workflows and so it's like, all right, Mm -hmm. well, do I want to mess with these? But I guess I need to mess with them a little bit. All right, I'll do it. Speaking of messing with things um, and, and really speaking of just getting some feedback about some things, listener Andrew opens up what I hope will be an interesting conversation for us all. He says, I've been an MGG listener since the double digit days. Wow. All right. I also lived in the United States for three years. I've been back in Australia since 2012. To this day, I remain amazed at the poor deals that people in the United States get for a country of its size when it comes to phones, data, and network TV. I thought I would share my setup, and I'd be interested to hear stories from around the world. So, with his phone, he is with a carrier called Optus, which is Australia's second network, he puts in quotes. He says, I pay $112 a month for four SIMs and 200 gigs of shared data uh, across them. This goes to me, my two children, uh, and my work number. Okay, so he's got a personal work and then his two children. They can be eSIM or hard SIMs. Wow. So $113 for 200 gigs of data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like even Mint Mobile, like I'm I'm not able to get that. Um, yeah, not, not that kind of, not that amount of data. No way. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay. My daughter is in Italy right now and, and got like an Italian SIM with, with an Italian phone number and like all of that stuff. Cause she's, she's moving there, at least attempting to figure out how they'll can, how to convince them to let her stay. Um, 
but uh, so if anybody has any advice on on getting a work visa in Italy, feedback at MackieKip.com. Uh, but she just got that plan and she is paying $11 a month for her cell phone service, John. Wow. 150 gigs of data. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that's phones. Well, we'll, we'll in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll save my, my, my tangential interjections. We'll, we'll, we'll get through all this. His home internet, he says it's the same company, Optus. He has fiber to the curb and copper the last 50 feet or so. $45 a month he pays. He gets 50 down and 20 up. Or for $70 uh, a month, he gets 100 down and 40 up. They're now putting fiber all the way to my house uh, on the government-owned national broadband network. And for 90 a, a month, he'll get 250 down and 50 up. And all of the data is uncapped. Okay, good. And then network TV, he says in Australia, they have three commercial networks. Uh, their version of it's CBS, ABC, and NBC, and then two government networks like the BBC. One of the government services is like PBS. Each of these five networks has two or more channels on the HD and another. Uh, he says uh, you can get the signal on UHF and in remote areas by satellite for free. Okay. I run UHF into my silicon dust HD home run. And I get it on all my Apple devices. Yeah, those, the, the Silicon Dust HD home run is um, that's a yeah, that's a that's a good little little thing. It's an antenna that that takes the signal and turns it digital for you. Uh, all the prices above. He didn't say. a pr Oh, I guess that's free. Right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, he's getting it over the air or over satellite. That's interesting that it has to be provided that way for free. Uh, all prices above include 10 percent goods and services tax. We don't pay any TV licensing fee here like they do in the UK for BBC. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So I, I talked about cell phones. Well, I, I mean, on Mint, I, I think I'm paying 20 bucks a month for my plan and I, I get 10 gigs with that, which I know I'm a nerd, but 10 gigs a month is all I need to use. So that's what I pay is 20 bucks a month. Um, and then for internet, my internet's cheaper than yours, Andrew. I pay 70 a month for gigabit symmetrical. I could pay 50 a month for 250 up and down. Uh, but I figured maybe it's 60 a month, but I figured, well, I'll just do the gigabit because why not? Um, but yeah, so that, like fiber is cheap here in the US. It's coax cable, not so cheap. And then for TV, I don't, I, I cut the cord because Comcast wanted to, or Xfinity wanted to charge me too much. So, but I didn't really cut the cord. I, 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 I say I cut the cord, but then I signed up for Fubo, which is another 70 bucks a month, which is fine. Way cheaper than what I was paying Comcast. Um, but I, like, I don't, I, I'm not subscribing to lots of individual services. I just subscribe to Fubo and I, so I get all my broadcast stuff that way, which is great. Like it's a great service and, and YouTube TV is, is equally as good. I it just, Fubo gets us the sports and channels that we care about too. So, yeah. What are you doing, John? What are you, what are you doing? What are you? Um, I recently upped my game on one of my services. Okay. So, um, so on my iPhone, um, I'm with Verizon and I had, yep. Um, a plan that was five gigs of data a month and it was, um, about $70. Woo. Um, Woo. 
That's pricey. Well, they, I got an email from them. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're, we're going to tack on uh, an additional $7 charge to your current plan uh, because we can. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> like, you won't leave. Right. And I'm like, that suck. But then I got an email saying, oh, hey, guess what? You're old. So we're going to offer you. Um, uh, so people over a certain age, at least in my area, um, they're it's, like, hey, it's the same I, everywhere. It It's it's 55 everywhere. It's just how oh, it okay. works. Yeah, no, it's it's just how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all, at least yeah. for all the cell phone companies, 55 is the magic number. So where you start. Yeah. And I got an company. email from them saying, hey, you want to get unlimited data and save money? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. And I did. So my, my bill went down. It's like 60 something now, but I have unlimited data. I haven't ever hit. Eh. Now I'll take that back. I, I've hit in the five gig limit, in which case uh, Verizon will put you in. Uh, you can opt for something called safety mode where they'll throttle your um, connection, but you, you still have a connection. It's just not at the speeds that you're used to. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so I did that, and for some strange reason, I had to switch from a credit card to a debit card to pay my cell phone bill. I don't oh. know why they insisted on doing that. Because they save a bunch. Debit card fees, merchant fees are less, usually, ah, okay. than credit card fees. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it makes me sad because the credit card that I used actually has um, uh, protection uh, in case I damage my phone, uh, minus a deductible, I think it's like twenty five dollars. Oh, so interesting. So that's kind of upsetting. So I may have to get so rid wait, of that card. So wait, it covers your phone even though your you you own your phone outright, correct? Yes. But it covers your phone if you pay your cell phone plan on the card. That's just how correct. They, that's just how they choose to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not like because you're paying for your phone in monthly installments, we cover it. It's like, right. put your cell phone plan on us. And okay, that's smart because they they know they're going to get the fees every month forever. That's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. 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 Um, internet, I'm with Optimum and I have 200 down, 35 up. And I think that, uh, I think it's about, that's also about $70. And then I have cable with them yeah. and I think that's another Seventy dollars. Yeah. So my bill is uh, my bill with them. So I have the what they call the triple play. So I have cable, um, cable modem, uh, TV, and also phone service with right, them. Right. right. Um, but they are now offering. So um, in my area, all of a sudden, I'm now getting emails from or or stuff in the actual mail um, saying, "Hey." We got fiber. Even Optimum now is offering fiber. Um, and I think it's one gig up and one gig down. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, for about the same price. Then we got another group called GoNet Speed. Uh, and they also they offer like three different uh, fiber packages. And even Frontier um, is like, oh, hey, fiber's coming to your, your neighborhood. So I get to decide what to do. You got to you got to pick one of those. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I I have been super impressed with fiber here. We're on mm-hmm. consolidated communications. I think it's changed its name to Fidium or something, I don't know. 
But yeah, it's like the latency is low. The the bandwidth is committed and guaranteed. It's and and it's just fast and simple. And uh, they say, yeah, it. yeah. Though, though my current connection, you know, I'm I'm happy with it. It's all I need. And like, uh, I mean, you were down here, you know, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and uh, and I saw you connect to my network, and apparently it worked. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's fine. I mean, I I the the issue I have with the cable speeds or the, the cable service is well, twofold. Number one, generally speaking, the price is more than you should be paying for what you're getting. And I mean, you're, that's certainly true for you. If you're paying 70 a month for two fifty, and you could be paying the same price or even less possibly for uh, probably less where you are for, you know, gigabit. Okay. Well, there's that, but then there's also the upstream, right? With fiber, you can have it symmetrical and it generally is. So even if you bought a quote unquote slow plan at like 250, it would be 250 in both directions, which for what we do with the podcast, the upstream matters. And I say that, but really I think the upstream matters for literally everyone because the, you know, the 10, I, I know you get like 35 or something up with, with your current mm -hmm. cable plan, but even that that's like the fastest that you get with cable. And it's still, way slower than your downstream but we're all backing up to the cloud whether we know it or not now we are all our photos go up to the cloud if you know if you have a backblaze or something like that you're definitely doing that your iCloud drive that's backing up to the cloud or at least syncing with the cloud and you know so Dropbox any of those things we all use a lot more upstream nowadays than we used to and the cable companies, it's their infrastructure. It's just not built to support that. So fiber is the answer there. So it's like we all use the upstream. It's not just us podcasters that upload large files, you know, on a regular basis. We're all doing it. So, yeah. But this is a great conversation. I shouldn't say but. And this is a great conversation. Thank you, Andrew, for opening this door. We would love to hear from you about what you what you get and what you're paying for it and certainly you know if you're in the u.s let us know what you're paying and what you get because even between me and john there's a, a a huge discrepancy right i mean you're paying 70 bucks for unlimited on your or 60 bucks for unlimited on your phone if i wanted unlimited with mint i'd pay 30 like it's like it's very different and even our internet connection so let us know around the u.s and especially around the world what you're paying and, and what you're getting. Cause it, it, it's good for us to just open our eyes and, and know. All right. Hey, look, how would you like to be able to learn the art of negotiation from none other than Chris Voss? Maybe that's not your thing. Fine. How'd you like to learn songwriting from John legend? How about how to think like a profiler from John Douglas, who was with one of those, you know, three letter agencies cooking from Gordon Ramsay. Masterclass, our sponsor here, is going to let you do this. You can do it on your phone, on the web, or your smart TV. Masterclass offers classes on a wide variety of topics, as you just heard, all taught by world-class instructors at the tops of their fields. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. I've tried this. I love it. You can like digest these things. You're not overwhelmed. It's fantastic. You can explore at your own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials, guides, recipes, whatever fits with, you know, whatever you're learning. 
I was blown away by how easy it is and how robust it is. It's really quite something. I highly recommend you check it out. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash MGG today. That's masterclass.com slash MGG. Terms and conditions apply. Really, truly, go check it out. It's amazing what they've got. You're going to love it. Masterclass.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Collide. Look, old school device management tools like MDMs force disruptive agents onto your employees' devices that not only slow performance, but they treat privacy as an afterthought. Our sponsor, Collide, does things differently. Instead of forcing these changes on your users, Collide uses Slack. It notifies them. It educates them so that they know not only what they need to do, but why they need to do it. And this lets you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security because everybody understands how and why to do it. And for you IT admins, Collide provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet. And it doesn't matter if they're on Mac, Windows, or Linux. That visibility makes it easy to prove compliance to your auditors, customers, and leadership you can meet your compliance goals by putting users first. Visit collide.com slash MGG to find out how. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MGG. Go check it out or go tell your IT admins to check it out. I think you're going to love it. And our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's uh, it's time for some cool stuff found. Let's do it. Uh, Terry, I think you've got you've got one from Terry. Follow yes. Up. Yeah. So uh, Terry says in MechiGab955, you guys talked about a browser picker and described one of my least favorite frustrations opening a calendar invite, digging in to find the link, copying that link, and then picking the browser, uh, le least likely to cause problems. Uh, for installing the free app mentioned in 955, I decided to check in one of my and Pete's favorite tools, Setup. Lo and behold, I discovered OpenIn, which I immediately set as my default browser. Now that frustration is mitigated. OpenIn not only lets me pick from my installed browsers to open links, but I can also open in PullTube, uh, which is the tool to oh. download YouTube videos, or in Snagit to do some editing on a file brought in from the selected link. Um, the preferences allow much more, including setting specific file types as well as roles. I'm just getting started here. Uh, but a combination of that segment in 955 and the joy that is set up uh, has me started down what is likely to be a fun and productive rabbit hole. Interesting. Yeah, I, I finally have installed a browser picker. I installed Velia, which is the one that you mentioned last week, John. And already it has been life-changing. The simple things like the calendar invite thing, I knew that it would solve my my Google Meet problem. And it has like that. Thank goodness. But it also solves my Zoom problem. When I would click a Zoom link, it would open in Safari. You'd get the little bonus page. Safari would ask, do you want to open this in Zoom? I would say yes. And then finally, Zoom would launch and all would go. Now I click a Zoom link and it opens in Zoom. It just goes straight there. I don't have to get the bonus page in Safari. Yeah, it's um, it makes a huge difference. I, I, I yeah, it's good. It's, and it, you can be really granular with how you open, what you open. I, I've 
I've known about these things for a long time. I can't believe it took me this long to finally install one because it took like installing it and getting it configured for my at least initial baseline needs. Well, it took less time than it did for me to explain that to you. It was literally that fast. Like it's yeah. And at least with Velia, uh, you can choose your menu bar item. And I have a little kitten as my menu bar <laughs> item. I, so, you know, hey, it's what I know. It's like I know if I need to mess with it, there it is. Yeah, I'm most every site that I go to is uh, so my strategy. So most every site I go to, I, I, I run Safari, as I'm sure most sure. of you do. Yeah. Um, though there was one site a couple of years ago, um, our, our state lets you file your taxes online for free. But when I went to the site a couple of years ago, it was like not working. Huh. It, it wasn't rendering or it wasn't accepting the input. And I'm like, okay, let's use Firefox and that solved the problem. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's what these browser pickers are good for is the, 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 you know, edge cases. Right. Because it, if you're using Safari for most of your stuff, well, hopefully it works for most of your stuff. Uh, and it the, I think that's where the benefit comes is. It's so habitual to just let links open in our default browser that we forget not to like right click copy paste until you learn this painful behavior. But having that browser picker just makes it so that you can just always click. And, you know, if somebody happens to send you a Google Meet invite, well, it's fine. It's going to open in Edge or Chrome or whatever you've chosen. I would choose Edge or Chrome for Google Meet, by the way. That that would be some Chromium-based browser would be my thing. So, yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. it's and another thing to mention, um, let's say that you want to set your default web browser. How do you do this, you may ask? How do you do um, this? Settings, general, default web browser. Nope. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you do that again. Cause you missed a key element of this. Where do you find settings? Oh, well, I'm, this machine is not a Manchura. So, oh, 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 I see. Okay. All right. So, oh, so you're, that's right. You can do it. I, 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 I take that back. I thought you had to do it in Safari. Uh, like you do with mail, you have to set it there, but. Yeah, um, I think that's how it used to be. It, um, you're right. Yeah, no, but 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 you're correct. the The web browser is set in system preferences or system settings. Yeah, no, I take that back. Uh, all right, good. Yeah, fun. Moving on to Jed. Ah, uh, yes. I, I wonder if Jed's in Tennessee. Just I had to say that I don't know I don't know I I, I, I don't know like, there's a Grateful Dead song Tennessee Jed I don't know it just came mm -hmm. came right to mind so I don't know music on the brain okay um so here's uh Jed says listening to the previous episode where John was talking about Pokemon and flipping the phone reminded me of this older app slash game it is just totally up the alley of your every buddy who listens to Mac Geek Gab. It's called Black Box, and it's a bunch of puzzles that are based on using your iPhone in weird ways to solve the puzzle. Uh, like I said, it's a little bit old, but it's really fun for those who haven't discovered it yet. I, I agree. I had, for, I, up until this moment, I had forgotten about Black Box, but yeah, it, you have to, it uses like the, I don't want to 
spoil too much, but it uses everything your iPhone can know about your iPhone. Uh, it's not creepy from a privacy standpoint, but the, the user interface for each of the games in black box changes with each of the games. So you have to, you have to be creative. Yeah. It's, it's, fu- it's fun. I, I forgot about that game. I'm going to have to reinstall that. That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, we moving on. Have, did you try, have you tried black box, John? No. Oh man, you would love it. I really think you would. I, I think, I think it would be, it's right up your alley. Uh, listener Robert tells us, he says, I just received, uh, something that I crowdfunded through Indiegogo and totally forgot about. It. I love those things. It's called the loop deck live S. Uh, they're now selling it or taking pre-orders depending on where you fall in the queue. Uh, for 175 bucks, basically, it's a stream deck on steroids, less expensive. And in addition to programmable touch buttons, uh, it also has two physical dials that you can rotate uh, and click in, plus a few actual hard buttons. Uh, th- yeah, I, I have a stream deck here that I use when when we record the show. And it's fantastic because I can just switch around. Like if I want to, you know, I use it for our, mostly for our video stuff, but I also control like my mutes and things like that. So if I want to change and have the screen go to a screenshot or whatever, I just, I can push the button and I don't have to think about it. It's great. Um, This thing, he's right. It looks like a stream desk on uh, a stream deck on, on rails here. He says it comes with profiles for common apps, including Mac or Windows desktop, Apple's Final Cut, Photoshop, Premiere, etc. It's got a nice GUI app that allows visual configuration and programming with a built-in list of actions and drag and drop configs. I thought these guys were just one-upping Stream Deck, but going to their website, I realized they have been making prosumer and pro-level control surfaces for quite some time, just a lot more expensive until now. They have some cool bigger ones with large dial and another with multiple physical fader levels. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I got to learn about loop deck. Okay. Uh, in subways, my budget, uh, I glad I didn't know about all the other stuff that they made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Thank you for sharing this, Robert. Yeah, I, I am. I am very curious about this thing. If you're doing any kind of, I mean, you know, th- these things, the stream deck, the, the loop deck are targeted marketed at people doing video streaming and all of that, but they are soft buttons. Like you can assign anything to them. And so if there are things, even apps that you run, you can like, you know, you can push a button and make it run an app or push a button and make it rejigger your interface or, you know, it really, you know, you can trigger all kinds of things from these. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you could even, Trigger a shortcut with it, which means you could turn on or off your home kit devices too, right? Like I'm just trying to think and it's all contextual too. You can have at least on the stream deck and I'm, I'm pretty sure the loop deck does the same thing. You can have different layouts pop you auto populate on the control surface, depending on what apps you're running too. So yeah, it's interesting stuff. That's cool. Thank you for that, Robert. I like it. Um, all right. Yeah. Moving on. It's cool stuff. Found time. Gavin has an answer for last week's. Uh, uh, what do we call it? Um, uh, geek challenge. And it's called lossless cut. 
and it is a free and lossless video er- editor. Allison Sheridan wrote in and and correctly told us that FFmpeg can do all of the stuff that we wanted. We were talking about the lossless editing. This uh, lossless cut. It's it's available from GitHub. It is freely downloadable. It leverages FFmpeg at its core to do this. It just gives you a, a graphical interface to to make all the magic happen. So, yeah, very cool. Thank you, Gavin. I like it. It's good. Fun stuff. All right, John, you want to take us to Alex? Uh, Alex says, um, I wanted to give a shout out to a fan control software that I use. It is not free, but very reasonably priced. It is called TG Pro. You may be wondering why I recommend the software. First, it is very rich in features, highly configurable, but more importantly, it is regularly updated, which tells me that the developer is very keen on consistent improvements and acts quickly on user feedback. Anyways, if you're looking for very good fan control software for your Mac, I think this is an excellent choice. Huh. This looks cool. Like, it shows the temperature of your CPU cores. Like, there's more... It'll control the fans, but it'll show you all kinds of things. Uh, it's called TG Pro. Yeah, from Tuna Belly Software. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Tuna Belly. Yeah. Yummy. And so it's temperature monitoring, fan control, and diagnostics. Yeah. So, yeah, this yeah. might become one of those tools that we, you know, that we, that, that, that like you and me love. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice find, man. Nice find, Alex. Nice, nice, nice. I like it. Um, uh, Robert comes back again with another thing that I did not know about, which I love. He says, um, I've been using audio hijack to control or to record and uh, manage all of my audio, but I've yet to try it out for processing real time audio feeding into zoom or other live stream type setups using a Mac. There aren't a lot of options and I've considered getting a hardware audio processor, but I haven't been doing enough live sessions to justify the cost and learning curve. I just heard about this software from Ginger Audio called Ground Control Caster, uh, and it's a software suite that specifically promotes itself as a Mac solution for shaping, improving voice quality of live audio without having to be a total audio engineer, uh, compressor, expander, equalizer, nerd. I'm wondering if you have thoughts or suggestions since I know you are always tweaking your live streaming setup, at least from time to time. Well, I had never heard of ground control caster live. There's a free version and a pro version. It looks really cool. Um, it, it does a lot of the same things as audio hijack, but it's like audio hijack and loop back married together in one app and you get like a mixer interface that you can see on the screen. This, I, I have not messed with it yet, but I'm going to, this seems very cool. You can add VST plugins. So yeah. So very similar to, to what audio hijack would do just a different, a different paradigm of, of letting you interact with it, which yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they say they make it easier. I, I'm I'm sure that's, it's hard to say without using it uh, of course, but yeah, very cool. All right. I, I, but I will use it. So yes, I'll circle back, Robert. That's pretty cool, man. I'm assuming you haven't messed with ground control caster, right, John? Okay. Nope. Uh, I answered you before you said, Nope, because I saw you shaking your head. 
Mm-mm. I need to remember that this show is mostly an audio show. Uh, all right. We've got time for a couple more. You want to take us to Ben? Um, ben says, I know y'all generally avoid talking about pre-release products except for beta OS versions. However, Rolling Square has delivered many successful campaigns, and I think this one would be up your alley. Edge Pro is a magnetic mount for phones and tablets and lights to attach adjacent to a computer. I think it's primarily designed for laptops, but I'm hoping it will work just as well on an iMac. Uh, my blue Mountie from 10.1 Design recently broke, and I'm backing this campaign to effectively replace that. Uh, campaign closes in nine days. So, uh, huh? Yeah. Check it out. So, so I, I think that this would be especially useful if you're, um, uh, what is it? Universal access continuity. Ca- oh, universal access. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're controlling multiple devices from the same thing, is that what we call that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And they show, um, you know, somebody with their laptop and then on the right is what I'm going to guess is an iPad. And on the left is what I'm going to guess is an iPhone. Um, and so it lets you, it lets you mount it. So. Yeah, this is interesting. It looks like I, I can't tell it's got a stick to the, the, the laptop or the iPad for the phone. It supports MagSafe. So I'm wondering if this is a good continuity camera mount option because mm. it looks thin and it's got a hinge so it would fold down. Yeah, this is interesting. All right. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's a Kickstarter. So, yep. Bear bear in mind you are supporting a concept. Uh, you are not you are not buying a product. You you get a, a reward if it if it actually succeeds. But, you know, you're not you may never you, you may spend money and never get anything out of it other than the satisfaction of backing a gung ho uh, entrepreneur, which is great. So just bear that in mind with Kickstarter. But yeah, wow, that's interesting. All right. Fun. We got time for one more. I think John, you got, uh, you got Bob queued up there. Sure. Um, uh, let's see. I'm sorry. Okay. Could you, Hmm. All right. Should we, maybe we do, uh, maybe we do Andrews and, uh, we'll come back to Bob for, for next week. Shall we? Mm -hmm. All right. Sweet. So Andrew tells us uh, about a new LG monitor. It's a, a it's available for five hundred bucks from Amazon. It is uh, it, it they call it the LG Smart Monitor. It's a thirty two inch UHD display, which is how we say four K in nerd. Uh, it's got what they call an ergo stand that clips to or screws into but it can clip to your desk which is kind of amazing that they've figured out how to make a monitor work that way uh it is a monitor uses usb type c but it's also a smart display it has lg's web os in it it has airplay 2 in it it's got bluetooth in it it's got um stereo speakers in it so this is an interesting thing uh I'm a little sad they didn't make it as a 5K or even a 6K display, but it's 500 bucks and a 32 inch display clips to your desk or clamps to your desk, I think is a better 
better term to use, but multi-purpose like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into this. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Oh, and wants to play music. I don't know if you heard that music, but uh, if somebody's watching the, the video, you can see they've, they've got kind of a video that shows multiple use cases where it's clamped to the desk. Uh, they've got it in sort of a, a studio apartment kind of thing where, you know, you use it at your desk and then you swing it around and you can watch videos on it. This monitor will rotate on this stand. So we were talking earlier about uh, portrait versus landscape mode and boom there it is and again you can airplay to it you can man yeah that's a it's a a, for 500 bucks and it's an l you get an lg display oh i kind of like it i kind of i i it's got potential it's got potential thank you for sharing that with us andrew that's you might make me spend 500 bucks well we always say that cool stuff found is uh is a, an expensive segment to listen to. You folks say that we say that it's an expensive segment to produce because we get as excited about this stuff as you do. And then, you know, there we are. So, all right. Uh, yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is Thanksgiving week. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to, thanks to our premium subscribers for sure. Uh, that uh, that send in that premium is the program where you contribute if you want. It is not mandatory by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it is where you can contribute to the show if you want to. In the last week, we have had contributions from a $25 contribution from Thomas uh, in Gardner, Kansas. I guess Thomas from Gardner is how I'll say it. Perfect. $10 contributions from Scott and Bourbonnais, Abel in Santa Rosa, Neil in West Hartford, Peter in Auburn, James in San Antonio, Mark in Coopersburg, Ari in Kensington. $25 contributions from Tom, uh, I said Thomas and Gardner, sorry, Gary in Houston, and Bruce K in uh, Pascagoula. A $50 contribution from Rick in Plano, another $25 contribution from Daniel in Levittown. Rick in Traverse City, Mikhail in Altadena, Harvey in Shoreham, John in Fredericton, Mark in Knoxville, and then $10 contributions from Gary in Babylon, Mark in Coopersburg, Ari, I said Ari in Kensington already, Uh, thank you, I'll say thanks twice, Timothy in West Windsor, Warren in Gloucester, Frank in Voorhees, Bob in LaPeche, Brian in Danbury, Santiago in Palm City, John in Wake Forest, and Paul in Lee. Thanks so much to all of you. That's uh, that's at macgeekup.com slash premium. If it is something you wish to do, we are very thankful for that. If it is not, if it's something you don't wish to do or can't do, that's totally fine. Uh, sending in your questions, simply listening to the show and sharing it with other people, that's huge. Uh, that really is. And, and obviously sending in your tips and cool stuff found your questions, participating in discord, just being a, uh, a Mackie cab family member really puts you in the 1%. I mean, it like it, we, we are, we are, I said it at the beginning of the show and I'll say it again. We, we are, we are blessed, John hashtag. So blessed to have this community. It's amazing. It really is. So thank you folks. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us for this last hour and change. Go listen to uh, Pilot Pete's show. So there I was. US. Shout out to Cashfly. Thanks for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. MacGeekab merch is available. That's a good stocking stuffer. MacGeekab.com slash merch. Check out uh, our sponsors. You can see them all listed at MacGeekab.com slash sponsors. But you can also visit the ones we mentioned in today's show. Collide.com slash MGG. Masterclass.com slash MGG. And PIAVPN.com slash MGG. Go check them out. It's good stuff. You gotta say it. You gotta Although say it. Pete isn't here for me to read off his shirt. I'm gonna offer some advice, and that is don't get caught. Made up.